0: Welcome to the Help for Wounded Spirits. This podcast exists to reach those wounded and suffering through life's trials. And now your host, Dr. Doug Carriger.
1: Well, it's great to be back with you folks on this 153rd podcast. And you know we're pretty excited to be able to be in God's word to be in the book of Job chapter 19 we just finished chapter 18 yesterday and man chapter 18 old Bildad we are we have a mutual uh, wanting to strangle society going on where Stephanie and I are both members and uh, probably many of you but we got to learn a lot from God's word yesterday we got a great poem yesterday from my dear friend Kim down in South America as a missionary and and here we are we're we're cranking along and we come up on chapter 19 and always thrilled to have my co-host Stephanie Wesco with me. And good morning, Stephanie. How are you?
2: Doug, I'm doing awesome. It's great to be here this morning.
1: I think it's great to be here too. Thank you. And, and so here we go. And, and so we're going to talk about Job. He comes out and right away in these first few verses, I see Job as a crushed man. I am yeah. so glad Job has a God that uncrushes things. and uh, Only God can unscramble eggs, Stephanie. We need to remember that. There's no one on earth that can unscrambled eggs. You know, if I start scrambling eggs, I can't make over easy. As soon as I whip those puppies up, they're gone. God can make over easy. God can change anything. God can change everything. And God does. And here we are in chapter number 19 of the book of Job. It says, then Job answered and said, How long will ye vex my soul and break me into pieces with words? These ten times ye have reproached me, ye are not ashamed that you make yourself strange to me. And to be it indeed that I have erred, mine error remaineth with myself. If indeed ye will magnify yourselves against me and plead against me my reproach, know now that God hath overthrown me and have compassed me with his net. Behold, I cry out of the wrong, but I am not heard. I cried aloud, but there is no judgment. He hath fenced up my way and have I cannot pass, and he hath set darkness in my pass. He hath stripped me of my glory, and he hath taken the crown from my head. He hath destroyed me over every side, and I am gone, and mine hope hath be removed like a tree. He hath also kindled his wrath against me, and he counteth me unto him as one of his enemies. His troops come together and raise up their way against me, and encamp round about my tabernacle. He hath put my brethren far from me, and mine acquaintance are verily estranged from me. My kinsfolk have failed, and my familiar friends have forgotten me. They that dwell in mine house and my maids count me for a stranger. I am an alien in their sight. I called my servant and he gave to me no answer. I entreated him with my mouth, my breath is strange to my wife, though I entreated for the children's sake of my own body. Yea, young children despise me. I arose and they spake against me. All my inward friends abhorred me, and they whom I loved are turned against me. My bone claimeth to my skin and my flesh, and I am escaped with the skin of my teeth. Have pity upon me, have pity upon me, O oh, ye friends, for the hand of God have touched me. Why do you persecute me as God, and are not satisfied with my flesh? O oh, the words were now written, O oh, that thy were printed in a book, uh, that they were graven in iron pen, and lead in the rock forever." For I know that my Redeemer liveth. Praise God! And that he shall stand at the later day upon the earth. And though after my skin uh, worms destroy my body, yet my flesh shall I see God. Yet my flesh, what a promise. Whom I shall see for myself and my eyes should behold. And not another though my reins be consumed within me. But ye should say, why persecute we him? Seeing the root of the matter is found in me. Be ye afraid of the sword, for wrath bringeth the punishment of the sword, that ye may know there is judgment. Wow, I mean, Job comes out and he's crushed. He's all over the place. He say, I know, I know my Redeemer liveth. I know He liveth. I know where I'm at. I know what I can uh, trust. And boy, that's a great place to be. He goes on and talks about how they slayed him, what they did, what God's doing against him. And, and and those I love have turned against me is what I'm getting out of this. My family, my kinsfolk, my servants, my, my wife doesn't like my breath. And, uh, you know, this keeps going on that his wife doesn't want to hang out with him. His life's in a bad place, Stephanie. I mean, just, just overview in chapter 19, what comes to your mind?
2: Job is, I, th- I think Job's, which we've seen this before as he's talked, Job has not lost his faith in God he's honestly just telling what's on his heart. And I think he's, he's, I love in verse two or, or verse three, where he says to his friends, you make your, yourselves strange to me. Mm. And these friends were literally, I don't believe they were his friends in the sense of Job was their friend. Yeah. They don't treat him like a friend at all. Um, <clears throat> And it's like Job saying, no matter how much I defend myself, no matter how much I tell you, I know that this, that God can do what he wants. And God has allowed all these things. You're convinced this is because of me. And I get he's destroyed me. I get he's kindled his wrath against me. And I get that he's treating me like he's my enemy. Um, all of these things. And it's just, um, it's like Job is just pouring his heart out here. Yeah. Again, the ups, the downs, the highs, the lows. And God has a sense of humor because, you know, in the midst of Job, pouring out his guts of his anguish, his despair, all this stuff. Verse 23 he says, oh, that my words were now written. Oh, that they were printed in a book, that they were graven with an iron pen and lead in the rock forever. It's kind of funny, honestly, because... God has a sense of humor seeing as how God had a book written that told his story and all his words were written in a book and <laughs> graven in an iron pen in the word of God forever. I just think that's kind of a humorous
1: Oh, I do uh, in verse twenty
2: three in there. <laughs>
1: yeah, you had mentioned that earlier on before we started the podcast, how you couldn't believe that Job got his wish. There it is. It's in the iron pen. It's uh, it's written down for all eternity and and when you think of thousands of years ago, and this was obviously four or five thousand years ago, maybe six. I mean, depending on your timelines, I'm not looking at a timeline, so I'm not doing a theological study on the, uh, when earth began. We know Job is one of the oldest books in the Bible. Many consider it the oldest. Uh, but we come along to this point. And isn't it ironic that one of the oldest books in the Bible, uh, we believe it was uh, it was written by Moses, right, uh, with time? and. Uh, uh, that one of the oldest ones put down and passed around was about trials. And yeah. pe- people people at the beginning of existence heard the word, I know my Redeemer liveth. And yeah. uh, boy, that's something we need to get out of this. I know my Redeemer liveth. And so Job's friends, you know, they continue to hound him. That's why more and more I'm getting this idea. They're hounding him. They're saying, you know, over and over again, they're hitting him with these accusations. Uh, then Job even says God has trapped him in his net. And uh, Job, again, Job's thinking he did something terribly wrong. Job is dealing with this guilt that's just unbelievable. And and he, he all but said his wife wants nothing to do with him. And, and yeah. uh, and, and you know, Job's life is in a bad place. And, and Mrs. Job, again, I, I, I tend not to pick on Mrs. Job. Uh, she just lost a couple handfuls of kids or homes or her servants. And all she knows is that Job was the most godly, that Job was... Uh, <clears throat> you know beyond reproach all those different things and she's and she's looking there and job's lost everything and she's lost everything i mean her and Job are one the Bible says there uh, there's one person physical union forever uh they're they're you know them and God that's it that's their family that's their life now and and I see that and uh, I think that you know as we go on uh and we go through the verses i think this is you know the there's some notoriety that we have to, there has to be some notoriety that comes along with, I know my Redeemer liveth. And there's a lot there. You know, we hear that, we hear a song. I know that, right? Isn't that a song?
2: There might be a song I don't know. I've got our new song on my brain when I read it because that's worked yeah. into our new song. So uh,
1: we mentioned this in the first podcast, working on a couple songs. And uh, <clears throat> there's one I'd like worked on sooner, but it took <laughs> It went to the back of the bus for the time being. It's uh, <clears throat> or to the back of the file cabinet, however you want to put it. It's,
2: oh, it's getting done this afternoon.
1: All right. So here. <laughs> so uh, again, uh, so Job, you know, uh, Job is continuously going on in despair. And again, I wrote down all the despair verses because we've all been there, you know, 13, 15 and 16, 14, 13 through 15, 16, uh, 18 through 21. These are the ones we went through. And now 19, 23 through 27. And each wave, each one we look at, each time we look at the Bible, Job's getting stronger of his despair. Job's in a bad place. If Job was around today, we'd have to give him the suicide hotline. We'd have to say, hey, Job. Make sure you got this number. Make sure it's programmed on your cell phone. You got some pretty, you know, uh, downer friends, depressed friends bringing you to a bad place, uh, doing the wrong things with you, not taking care of you. And and I think that's what's going on here. And, I, you know, I don't know, Stephanie. Job, I, I,
2: Job would definitely need to come to our PTSD camp.
1: You know, he would, and he would give the best testimonies out of anybody. You know, the guy could just lift up his shirt and show a couple boils on his belly. And uh, boy, that would just wake some folks up, wouldn't it? And, uh, And I think that, you know, this guy has been through it. You know, I've had a guy stand in front of me one time and talked about his son drowning in the pool, went out to the pool when no one was looking and drowned. And they went out there and they were able to get him breathing again. And for the next 10 years, he lived on life support in his bedroom. And then one day he just died and he had a picture of him on his wall, was a pastor in his office. And I might be off on the years, but the pain that he talked through, the pain. And and so what I'm saying is I'm looking at Job losing these 10 kids. You can hear the damage. You can feel the damage. You can feel yeah. the pain. You can feel yeah. the hurt. You know, times are the bad. There's people listening to us to, to us, Stephanie, that can feel the pain feel the hurt of loss know what it's like some of them have been you know i, I was talking uh, on facebook the other day with one of the ladies that listens to this podcast regularly and she got engaged to a guy about 3 or 4 months ago they planned the entire wedding everything was going great and he met someone else
2: oh, oh my
1: broke up with her so i can i could see the damage in her her notes to me on facebook i could see the pain And, uh, but anyway, so Stephanie graduated from high school. Now Stephanie's always been one of these academic astute people. So she memorizes this poem, which I think is, uh, I think it's very fitting for where we're at right now in the book of Job. So Stephanie, would you go ahead and read us your poem right now? Give us some background on where that came from too, if you would.
2: Yeah, so I heard this this poem in high school and um, God had really used it in my heart to just give me a desire to be exactly what he wanted me to be and to be the vessel that he had that he wanted to be that he could use and so for my graduation from high school i uh, memorized and then recited this poem as part of the ceremony and it goes at the title of it is the chosen vessel the master was searching for a vessel to use on the shelf there were many which one would he choose take me The gold one, I'm shining bright. I'm of great value and I do things just right. I have Eliphaz and Bildad and Zophar come to mind. My beauty and luster will outshine the rest. And for someone like you, master, gold would be best. The master passed on with no word at all. He looked at a silver urn, narrow and tall. I'll serve you, dear master. I'll pour out your wine and I'll be at your table whenever you dine. My lines are so graceful, my carving so true, and my silver will always compliment you. Unheeding, the master passed on to the brass. It was wide-mouthed and shallow and polished like glass. Here, here, cried the vessel, I know I will do. Place me on your table for all men to view. Look at me, cried the goblet of crystal so clear. My transparency shows my contents so dear. fragile am i i will serve you with pride and i'm sure i'll be happy in your house to abide the master came next to a vessel of wood polished and carved it solidly stood you may use me dear master the wooden bull said but i'd rather you used me for fruit not for bread then the master looked down and saw a vessel of clay empty and broken it helplessly lay no hope had the vessel that the master might choose to cleanse and make whole, to fill and to use. Ah, this is the vessel I've been hoping to find. I'll mend it and use it, and make it all mine. I need not the vessel, with pride of itself, nor one that who is narrow to sit on the shelf, nor one that is big-mouthed and shallow and loud, nor one who displays his contents so proud. Not one who thinks he can do all things just right, but this plain earthy vessel filled with my power and might. Then gently he lifted the vessel of clay, mended and cleansed it and filled it that day. Spoke to it kindly, there's work you must do. Just pour out to others as I pour into you. Mm. And yeah, that, that poem now has a hundred times more significance to me than it did when I graduated from high school. But I believe that God was in the process. When we look at the book of Job of taking Job as that vessel of clay that was emptied, broken and laying there helpless. And when we look at all those other vessels, I see Job's three friends. They thought they had the world by the tail. They thought they knew everything about who God was, how he worked. And God was looking for that broken vessel. He's looking for the vessels that aren't perfect, that are messed up. And I'll never forget what you said to me in our first few counseling sessions when I told you I was too broken for God to do anything with. And your immediate comeback was one of, that's great that you're broken because now God will put you back together and yeah. it'll be a stronger vessel as a result. And does that happen overnight? And do you always feel put back together? No. But that's where it's a walk of faith, where we walk by faith and not by sight. And faith is that substance of what we hope for in God and who he is and the work that he wants to do. And I think that's where Job is at the end of 20 when he says that I do know my Redeemer lives and that he will stand at the latter day on the earth. And even though my body's dying, I'm going to see God.
1: Whoa. And I, I think... You know, I think there's some great significance in the poem, and and, and then in your following words is, you know, God makes vessels. Uh, God makes vessels that He can use. Uh, God makes people. You know, what is it? Is it Second uh, Corinthians 12 where we go through things so that we may help other people? And uh, and and I think I think you know we're damaged goods, Stephanie. All right, we are uh, by by the. Um, you know, by the world, by the world's opinion, where a couple of people who have PTSD who've been through some things in our life. And so, so you know, a worldly doctor person would say, you know, old Doug and Stephanie are damaged. And can I tell you something? Everybody's damaged. Probably everybody listened to us has been damaged one way or another. Uh, but to know that this vessel, I'm a vessel. And, and the other thing is people want to stay away from this, but your body is a temple of God. And, right. uh, and and we need to treat that body the way we treat the temple, the way we treat the church. Uh, you know, you don't want to put anything on your body that you wouldn't put on the church or that you wouldn't put on the you know the bride and, and and things like that. So I think God's making these vessels. He's God's creating vessels. He's and and you know some people don't get this. Some people think they know everything because they you know maybe went to church for. 20 years or whatever the case may be or had a bible study once you know what i think i know stephanie i think i know nothing i think every time before we do a podcast i'm studying the chapter i'm studying commentaries i'm i'm making notes i'm all over the place i don't think i know much about god i think i know that my redeemer liveth i think that i know my redeemer redeemed me I think I know that God can use me. I think those things, I mean, what do you think? I mean, is that where you're coming from? I mean, what do you think about yourself?
2: Doug, I know without the grace of God, I would be curled up in a hole somewhere. And, um, you know, as God brings trials into your life, I believe he uses them, at least in my life. He has used those trials to make me understand more and more how that without him, I am nothing and without his grace and his mercy and his new mercies that are new every morning, his faithfulness, I couldn't get through the day. And, um, I think when you come to that point of realizing, okay, God, this isn't about me. This is about you. This is about your grace. I don't know anything. You know, it's like, um, ever since, um, everything happened in Cameroon. we came back to the states yes i feel like i know the lord more than i ever have before but at the same time i feel like i know less about him than i've ever known before and it's that constant god i gotta know you more god you gotta become more real to me god i gotta see you manifest your presence and um I, I think it was Moses that cried out to God and said, "Don't forsake me! Don't leave me! Don't take your presence!" I know David made that heart cry, and um, Job's at that place where we knew he we knew that he walked with God. We know that in the beginning of the book, you know, God spells out what his character was, but God's goal for each of us is to transform us into the image of His Son. Yeah, and sometimes that involves a process that is hard and it's painful. And it goes contrary to what a lot of the Christian world in America wants to come to terms with as far as, that when a trial, as we we see it with Joe, when a trial comes into your life, whether it be catastrophic or whether it be something simple, and I use that word simple loosely, simple as you get laid off from your job, that, that doesn't mean you did something wrong. If, you know, if you haven't been involved in sin or something that got you fired, um, look to the Lord and what he's trying to teach you. Stay close to him through that trial. Don't get discouraged. And if there's people like Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar that try to come in and and take over and tell you what what you should do and what God's will for you is, tell them to get lost. And maybe not that way, but, you know, just... Focus on the Lord because there are always are always going to be people who think they know God's will for you. Right. Who who are the exact opposite of what God's will for you is, and so yeah. keep in term keep in in close contact with God in the midst of your trials, and He'll lead you.
1: Do it, do it, and I think that's perfect advice. And you know, I got a question I want to answer real quick. So I got about a minute and twenty seconds left, but uh, I got a question from a young lady who got saved uh, through this podcast. And she wrote me on my personal page the other day and she told me I'm saved. What do I do to get my husband saved? So I just wanted to answer this publicly in case someone else falls into this category. Uh, We've seen 13 people saved and uh, I think 11 of them are ladies who listen to this podcast and a couple men. And I would say, you know, for a wife and, you know, just be a first Peter three type of lady. You know, just love your husband with all your heart. Pray to God, beg God, go in front of God with fear uh, live up to what God has for you and, uh, be inviting. And, uh, and I'm not talking about be abused, be this, be that I'm talking about just living a life that epitomizes what God looks like. And uh, Mm -hmm. that's all you can do. And, And friends, listen, I've been there. I was saved, uh, in, in October and then it was the following. So I was saved in October of 93. It was the following, uh, July that Debbie got saved. And so I know I know what it's like, uh, you know, to, to want someone to get saved instantaneously and those types of things. What I did is I trusted God. I was in church when the doors were open. I was in Bible study. I went to an additional men's study. I did everything I could. I tried to become a different person. And you know what? I did not because of what I was doing, but because of what God did in me. So my answer to you out there, friend, is listen, just try to be a different person because God can make you that way. Listen, we got all the faith in you. May God bless you. Hey, take a couple seconds and listen to this message we have for you today. Thank you for
0: listening to our podcast today. One of the more exciting things about our ministry is being able to tell people how they can know for sure they're saved and believe in Jesus Christ and spend eternity in heaven. The Bible tells us there's four things we need to know to be saved. The first thing it tells us is we're all sinners. The Bible says there are none righteous. It says that everybody in the world is a sinner. The second thing that the Bible teaches us is there's a price on sin. The Bible says for the wages of sin is death. The third thing and the good news that the Bible teaches us today is it says, but God commendeth his love toward us. While we were yet sinners, before we were even born, Christ died for us. So we can know we're a sinner, we can know there's a price on sin, but thank God that Christ died for us. Then the Bible says we must speak it in our mouth and believe it in our heart, that all we need to do is pray to God, believe it in our heart, that Christ has died for our sins, and ask him to save us in Jesus Christ's name. And you know what, folks, he will. If we can do anything to help you in that area, please send us a message. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for listening today. We hope this podcast has been a blessing in your life. For helpful resources and to help continue this podcast, visit us at WoundedSpirits.com.